America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. My guest today on Lincoln Live thought she would become an author, writing world-famous novels. Stephanie Rouse is writing, not novels though, but documents, which help cities chart a path to a more inclusive, sustainable, and responsible future. Stephanie is an urban planner with RDG Planning and Design out of Omaha, and she joins me for a conversation on Lincoln Live. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Dale. You and I are very similar in that we both saw architecture, as a career possibility. The irresponsible world of rock and roll got my attention, so that's why I went into radio. For you, it was becoming an architectural historian and urban planner, so let's start there. What drew you to those subjects? Sure, I've always had kind of a passion for old buildings, really loved the more ornate styles like Queen Anne homes and uh, the Victorian era, and, and wanted to be able to work on old buildings and restore them to kind of their former glory. It was in my last year of my undergrad in architecture, though, that I was introduced to the concept of urban planning and this way to approach the built environment and architecture on a grander scale. And so that's what kind of turned me over to urban planning for my master's degree, but was also able to pull that preservation focus into urban planning since they do overlap quite a bit. The Preservation Association of Lincoln uh, brought us together here for this conversation. Uh, Stephanie was involved in a brown bag lunch, so to speak, a Preservation Association online webinar back in early December, the inherent sustainability of historic preservation. So let's start, let's start there. How does sustainability fit into urban planning? So there's three tenets to sustainability. There's economic, environmental, and social. And once all those three come together, you get this idea of sustainability, which is meeting our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And as a field, urban planning tries to approach the built environment with all three of those in mind, making sure we're creating communities that are inclusive, that are economically vibrant, and also are good stewards of the environment and the resources we have. There's preservation and there's sustainability. One could argue they're very similar, but how do the two overlap and differentiate between the two? Uh, well, there's a, a great quote that um, historic preservation or saving a, a building is the greenest building that there there is. Um, if you think of those three tenets of sustainability, there's society, environmental, and economic. And in preservation, we're recycling buildings, which is kind of environmental and economic. We have, we're preserving history, which is the social side of sustainability. And then we have programs like historic tax credits, which are kind of an economic driving force of preservation. I've heard this so often, Stephanie, that raising a structure and building new is less expensive than reviving the structure to meet city codes. And I get that. It all comes down to money. But give me an insight into whether maybe that's changing or, or more planners like you 
seeing the value and not just with dollar signs in their eyes to some of these old buildings? I think so. I think our field is moving in a more sustainable um, direction that we're understanding that the the decisions we make that the designs we put into play have a, a dramatic impact on our environment. And so if you move beyond just the dollars and cents of demolishing and building a new structure and start to actually calculate the, the costs to our environment of CO2 emissions, driving up um, climate change, which I think we'll get into a little bit, and then the impacts on a kind of global scale that climate change is having on these billion dollar disasters that we're seeing more and more frequently, it might not impact that one individual person and their bottom line for the building, but it's causing a, a significant um, amount of um, resources and, and money to be spent trying to um, deal with those impacts. To what extent are younger minds coming into your field? Because I'm sitting here and I hear you speak as a as a 21st century planner would speak, as opposed to an older generation. Let's just tear it down and put up a nice new skyscraper, put up a nice new building. To what extent is that shift happening because more younger people are coming into doing what you do? Uh, so I think if you if you look at the field of historic preservation, there's there's more and more younger people getting involved, but it's still a field as a whole that has a lot of older individuals um, primarily. But when you start to think of preservation beyond our National Register nominations or district nominations and that kind of more structured part of preservation, you have people interested in old buildings. Younger generations want to be in those character-rich districts like the Haymarket. Um, they want want to save old warehouse buildings and turn them into condos. So they're very much a part of that kind of preservation movement without necessarily being labeled as preservationists. Fair then to say that the, the consumer is driving the planners as opposed to the planners driving the consumers? Uh I would say so. Um, as planners, we're always, we don't necessarily want to just create a plan and force it on a city. We want to get feedback and engage with the community, ask them what they want, and then come up with solutions and designs that represent what they what their desires are. Stephanie is joining me from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Let's use La Crosse as an example. What are the people of La Crosse feeding into your uh, designs that will be uh, agreeable to the community. Uh, so with our, we're working on a downtown master plan update for the city of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and um, it's changed a little bit with how we're engaging with the community because of COVID. But we've done a lot of engagement. Um, we've. We have a, an online survey. We've done a number of Zoom focus group interviews, one-on-one -on -one discussions. So we're asking, you know, what do you love about your city? What would you change? Um, and and so all of that is driving kind of the concepts uh, for the ultimate recommendations in the plan. Stephanie, this conversation is rewinding my memory bank here back when Lincoln was going through that, when the Haymarket was not a place to be. And certainly not any housing, certainly not any development long before the Pinnacle Bank Arena. And the consultants came in, the planners came in and created meeting dates. And there was no remote connection for this. It was all person to person. And you felt the emotion of people who wanted these these old buildings changed or you felt the emotion of the people who wanted those old warehouses uh, sustained and renovated. How do you accomplish that? From where does the emotion come when you're doing this remotely? And does that matter to feel the emotion of people? 
Uh, it's definitely a challenge. Um, you, we're finding actually that we're getting more engagement than you might um, virtually because it takes time for someone to attend a meeting, find a babysitter, maybe um, you'll get to some place after work, whereas virtually you can pop on a, a webinar with kids in the other room and still be able to participate. Um, but yeah, you do on that screen, you kind of lose any sort of um, emotional or personal connection. It's not quite the same as being in person, but hopefully we're getting back to that here soon in 2021. So tell us, can you share with us, if it's private, I respect that, but what does lacrosse want in its downtown? Um, so that plan is actually, there's a couple themes that have emerged and the community really wants a you know, vibrant and healthy neighborhoods because we're considering downtown, not just your standard commercial core that you would think of, but the neighborhoods that surround it as well that really help to drive downtown and, and kind of work in a symbiotic fashion. So healthy neighborhoods um, uh, and they're, if you're where, where lacrosse is, they're right on the Mississippi River. They have Grandad Bluff, a really um, scenic um, destination for a lot of tourists. So this confluence of nature and how do we use nature to really um, help not just as a tourist destination, but to help resolve some of the environmental issues um, that are arising as well, um, as well as create a place that's a destination for all people that anyone can come. It's it celebrates cultural cultural inherit, heritage as well. Um, so those are some of the the driving themes that have emerged thus far. I've heard you use natural and nature sustainability. Uh, some would think that planners these days maybe are tree huggers and <laughs> want want to save the world. So climate change falls into that conversation. Where does climate change fit into what you do? Uh, so it, it does have an impact. I mean, the way we build uh, directly drives climate change. So if we're tearing buildings down and putting up new buildings, all of that embodied energy that was in that historic building is lost. You have a bunch of energy being spent on harvesting new materials, um, going, uh, dropping them at construction sites, building them, and then operating the new building. So while you might have a very sustainable LEED certified new building, it's going to take anywhere from 20 to 80 years for that building to catch up to all of the lost energy in the building it tore down to replace it. So it may seem like you know some of our new construction is very sustainable, but when you're tearing down perfectly good old buildings, you're not being as sustainable as you might think. What is a building's embodied energy? Uh, so embodied energy is um, the energy that's used to extract the raw material, so your wood, making your brick, um, it, combined with the energy used to assemble those materials of the actual construction process. And so that's the energy that would be kind of stored in a building. Back when the building was built. Correct. All right. Do you still have your blog, The Planning I do. Lady? Yes. Uh, try to post about once a week on the planning lady it started in 2017 as as a way for me to get back to that being a writer uh, so i different to, uh, topics that interest me usually around preservation sustainability and um, kind of this idea of zero waste is what i write about and how can people find it uh it's theplanninglady.com it's that simple you make it simple yep. 
I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Rausch, uh, if you ever get a chance to hear her talk more about her skills, I would definitely uh, suggest that you do that. She recently spoke at the Preservation Association of Lincoln online webinar. Not sure if that is available. If it isn't, this conversation certainly is uh, on our podcast tab at KFORnow.com. Stephanie, thank you very much for your time this morning. And thank you. Stephanie Rausch joining me. She is an urban planner for RDG Planning and Design out of Omaha on Lincoln Live.